Hey, Church Online, thanks for joining us. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. You know, it's not easy being a dad, and I think it's worth taking a moment to honor people when it's due, especially when it's a dad who's trying their best to raise a healthy family. In fact, I'm glad that we have holidays like this to remind us to do this. You might not agree. I know there's always those out there who love to say, oh, it's just another Hallmark holiday. But you know what? If that's your perspective, just chill a little bit because it's not like we live in a culture that couldn't use more opportunities to celebrate things that God celebrates. For example, like Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is about love and relationship, and God is love and calls us to relationship, and so why not celebrate that? And Mother's Day is about honoring your mom, and God's down with that. It's in his Ten Commandments. And Father's Day is about honoring your dad, which is also in God's law. Additionally, the Bible says that we should outdo one another in showing honor. And so I think that holidays, Hallmark or not, are opportunities to live out this verse, to show honor to one another. And so happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. We give you honor because God says you deserve it. And we want to be a people who obey God's word. Amen. Well, today, as we jump back into the book of Mark, Jesus meets someone who is dedicated to obeying God's word. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 says, As Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Remember, at this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus is headed to Jerusalem because it's time to go to the cross. And as he does, he meets a man with an, with an important question, one of the most important questions in the world. He asks, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you know what? That's still an important question that we're asking today. Now, we may not phrase it in the same way anymore, but everyone still thinks about this question. You know, we wonder, is there life after death? Do I come back as someone or something else after this life? Even if you currently believe that, hey, you know what? It's just this life and then bam, it's game over. You still ask the question uh, that, that has to do with this because part of you desires to extend this one chance to live uh, to eternity if possible. And so the fact is we all wonder, how can I make sure that my soul, the very essence of my life, doesn't perish? How can I have eternal life? And apparently, this man believes that Jesus has the answer. And verse 18 says, And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Okay, it, it sounds a little bit like Jesus is being super annoying here. You ever talk to those people that, that make simple questions or conversations difficult for no reason? And you're like, oh my gosh, please just answer the question. I promise you that Jesus is not actually like that. What he is doing here is he's actually acknowledging the importance of this question to both the question and asker and to all of us, Mark's audience. Additionally, it's like he's saying, you know what, that, that's an important question. It's so important that I must make sure that you're ready to receive the answer. And to do that, it'll help me to define what you mean by good. And Jesus says, because you call me good teacher, 
and only God is good, you are rightfully associating me with God because I am God. I am God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. Therefore, the answer that I'm about to give you is God's answer. It's absolute truth. So whether you like it or not, know that it is the authoritative answer on how to inherit eternal life. And Jesus begins with verse 19, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He gives six uh, of the Ten Commandments, and, and do not defraud is likely another expression of do not covet. And the man says, verse 20, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. I told you, this guy is dedicated to obeying God. Now, it's easy to think that, hey, is this guy being a little bit arrogant? But the context doesn't actually give us that. Think about it. When he ran up and met Jesus, it says that he ran up and he knelt before him. And then he addressed him in an honorable way. He says, good teacher. No, no, this, this dude was respectful and he was humble. Additionally, it wasn't uncommon for faithful Jews to believe this about themselves. Even the apostle Paul said of himself, as to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. This faithful man was simply saying, teacher, I've, I've done all of those things. Following God's law is my life. It's who I am. It's what I do. And Jesus doesn't jam him up about it. He doesn't say, oh, come on, bro, be honest. I saw what you did last week at the temple potluck. The sign said, take only one hollow roll and you took two. No, no, no. Instead, it says Jesus looking at him, loved him. The original language gives us the picture that Jesus looked at this young man and instantly became a fan. He saw something special. He had potential. He was like, Jesus was like, I, I love this guy. Both Matthew and Mark, the other gospel writers, tell this same story. And considering their versions, plus what we have here, I believe what Jesus saw was a rich, young ruler who was extremely committed. He kept the commandments because he had moral discipline. And maybe he gained his wealth even at a young age because he let God's wisdom direct his decision-making, which often leads to God's blessing. And maybe he's the type of guy that always showed up at the right places at the right time for the right reasons. I mean, isn't that, isn't that what he's doing right now? He showed up where Jesus was at. You know, there's something special about those kinds of people. And if we could just pause for a moment and take a quick opportunity to apply God's word to our lives, let me ask, are you that kind of person? Do you have the discipline and diligence to obey God's word? Do you let God's wisdom guide your decision making? Do you show up? You know, isn't there something special about people who show up being present is powerful. God loves when people choose to show up. And they're usually the ones God uses to change the world. Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, when you show up, God hooks you up. God blesses you. That being said, 
showing up and doing the right thing doesn't lead to eternal life. And I think this special, motivated, rich, young ruler sensed that too. Because here he is doing everything right, but something still seemed wrong. And he wonders, good teacher, am I headed in the right direction? Am I doing enough? And though Jesus was a huge fan of this man, he also loved him enough to tell him the truth. And he said, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. To better understand Jesus's response, we need to consider Jesus's answer to another important question. Someone once asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. In other words, God's law, and specifically the Ten Commandments, can be accurately summarized in two statements. Number one, love God with all of your heart, and that summarizes the first four commandments. And then number two, love people the same way, which would summarize the last six. And earlier, Jesus asked the young ruler about his keeping of the last six commandments, the ones involving loving your neighbor. And he was crushing it. But now, Jesus' request reveals something crucial to inheriting eternal life. The sense is, Jesus is asking him, will you love God with all of your heart? You see, it's not that Jesus wants him to sell all of his stuff because it's wrong to have possessions. He's helping the man see where his heart is truly at because that's the key to inheriting eternal life. And to this, Mark says, disheartened by the saying, he, that is the rich young ruler, went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. What happened? You'd think that this would have been easy for such a committed man, a man that Jesus loved and saw great potential in. So what happened? Well, the scriptures give us the answer. He refused to follow Jesus, to love God with all of his heart, because he had great possessions. Jesus goes on to say how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, because Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Of God. While I can assure you this is not about wealth being evil or disqualifying, it is being truthful about the power wealth and possessions can have over our hearts. Theologian A.W. Tozer speaks to this in his book, The Pursuit of God. In that book, he says that God created man with a throne on his heart, and God was the rightful king on that throne. And when God sits there, he generously showers blessings upon that person, which can include wealth. Don't get it twisted. 
While I am fully against what some would call the prosperity gospel, meaning the teaching that God promises you're going to be rich, and if that doesn't happen, there's a sin issue. I'm against that teaching. But I fully believe that God desires us to enjoy this life, and he will bless us according to his infinite wisdom, which sometimes results in Christians being wealthy. Wealth and possessions are not inherently evil. But when sin entered the world, what happened is we chose to kick God off that throne. And instead, we seat ourselves and stuff that we like, our money and our possessions, on that throne. You know, sometimes we'll give God space in our lives when it's convenient or personally beneficial or maybe in an emergency where we really need him. That will happen. But when that's the condition of our heart, you know what? Wealth and possessions do become a hindrance to entering the kingdom of God because it shows that we love stuff or ourselves more than God. Therefore, let me tell you, this passage is not about condemning the rich or having nice things. It's about examining your heart. And the easiest way to discover who or what sits on the throne of your heart is to determine what you're willing to give up. Can I have your permission to be a little bit mean, like in the way that Jesus challenged this young man? Can I ask you who are listening right now, would you give up your comfortable lives to love God with all of your heart? Would you give up your hobbies like running or sports or beer or or partying or different types of pleasure to love God with all of your heart? Would you give up your precious free time to love God with all of your heart? Would you give up your phone to love God with all of your heart? Jesus asked this man to give up his money to love God with all of his heart. And the reason why he walked away is because his great possessions sat on the throne of his heart and they ruled as king over his life. And he was not willing to give that up. And so here, here's the truth for us to take home. What we won't give up reveals who or what is king of our hearts. I'm gonna say that again. What we won't give up reveals who or what is king of our hearts. And if it's not clear, the only thing that we shouldn't give up on is the one person who belongs on the throne, and that's King Jesus. And that sounds simple, but it's not, because we are all broken by sin. That's why Jesus says it's difficult for everybody to enter the kingdom of God, even if we have no wealth. Because sin is everyone's problem. And from birth, sin has been our master. And it's always trying to place or keep something other than God on the throne of our heart, which makes it impossible for us to love God with all of our heart. That's why Jesus said it's easier than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. A camel was the largest local animal, and it's literally impossible for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle. And in the same way, because of our sin, it is impossible for anyone to be saved or inherit the kingdom of God, which is why the disciples said, then who can be saved? But look how Jesus responds. He says, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. 
for all things are possible with God. And the last part of that verse is key to answering the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You see, although it is impossible for man to save himself, we have hope because God came to do the impossible for us. That's the reason why Jesus came. It's why he's going to the cross. It's to pay for our sins so that we could have eternal life. It was a task that only God himself could accomplish. And it's why Jesus tells the rich man, if you want eternal life, you need to follow me because I'm about to go do the impossible for you on the cross. You don't inherit eternal life by being good or doing good things. Maintaining that kind of perfection-based lifestyle is impossible. You'll never live up to God's perfect standard. It's impossible to keep God's law, especially with sin, the devil, and the world fighting against us. Don't believe me? Let's put it to the test. Let me ask, have you ever stolen anything? Okay. Have you ever lied? Have you ever murdered? Oh, wait, don't answer that so fast, because remember what Jesus said. He expanded the commandment in Matthew 5. He said, you have heard it said by those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Snap. I don't think we're going to make it on our own. And just like the rich young ruler, you know what? We all fall short of God's command to love him with all of our heart because we all have chosen and we continue to choose to love other things or people or ourselves more than God. And God is so holy and his standard is so perfect that inheriting eternal life by being good it's impossible because you mess up one time and it's, it's, it's over. You face the judgment. You don't meet the standard. And it's, it, 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 and it's also too much to continuously carry the weight of perfect living. That's probably one reason why the rich young ruler ran and he came to Jesus. His self-righteous living was becoming too much of a burden. It was too heavy to carry. And he was starting to crack under the pressure. And he comes to Jesus asking, have I done enough yet? Please tell me it's enough. Have you ever noticed the longer that you keep a streak or a way of living, the the, the harder it becomes to keep? You know, I, I've got a pretty good streak going on the YouVersion Bible app, and it's it's really a couple years now worth of logging onto my Bible app every single day. And I got a goal of getting to 1,000 days. But I also have a youth retreat coming up, and, and, and at the youth retreat, you can't have your phone. And I'm starting to feel the pressure, because what if in the busyness of everything that goes on during that week, I forget to go to the office and open up YouVersion uh, to keep my streak alive? That, that, it's, getting, it's getting intense. And, and you know what? It, it reminds me also of recovering addicts. You know, they know this, this weight too because they're always uh, having to deal with, you know, it's been X amount of days since I've, I, I last did something bad. And you know what? That's great. But the streak also adds pressure. You know, this weekend, 
we aren't just celebrating Father's Day, we're celebrating Juneteenth. And it's a day commemorating the freeing of slaves. You know, the problem with slavery in America couldn't be solved with, hey, let's let's get a street going and see how many days the masters won't be mean to the slaves. Or let's see how long we can do nice things for the slaves to give them better working conditions. Being good and doing good doesn't solve the problem. The solution was freedom. And that's what Jesus offers the rich young ruler here, who was doing his best to be a good person and do good things. Instead, Jesus says, you know what? Give that burden up and follow me and I'll set you free. That's what eternal life is anyways. It's being free to live for Jesus. And at this point, I think it began to click for Peter, the, the, the apostle, who has been listening this whole time, because he then asks, see, Jesus, Lord, isn't this what we, we've left everything and followed you? In other words, Lord, isn't that what we're doing? And Jesus was like, absolutely. In fact, he says, truly, I say to you, which is sometimes called the amen formula by Bible scholars. And it means that you can take what Jesus is about to say to the bank. He says, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sisters or mother or father or children's or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Whew. I mean, this sounds like, that sounds like good stuff that you're going to get. Yes, it requires to, to give, it requires us to give things up, but it's going to be worth it. And what Jesus is actually teaching right here is he, he's saying, hey, when you're willing to let the junk go, and let the king get back on the throne of your heart, everything begins to work the way I designed it. When Jesus sits on the throne and he is then pouring out blessings upon you, both now and for eternity, that is the way that life was supposed to happen. And it's a life that can't even be shaken by persecution. You know, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit upside down. It's a little bit backwards to what we're used to in this world and what the world teaches. But that's only because sin has messed up our thinking so bad that we think good is evil and evil is good. And that's why Jesus says, hey, but you know what? Many who will be first will be last and last first. But by faith, if we're willing to surrender to this upside down, this different way of doing things, if we're willing to surrender, give everything up and surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, that's how we'll inherit eternal life. It requires sacrifice, but it'll be worth it. And so as we close, a common Father's Day message usually includes, you know what, therefore, men, you know what, it's time to man up. It's time to do better. And while I do believe that godly men should man up and do better, that's not the gospel. Neither is it the point of this passage. Doing better isn't going to make you right with God or change your marriage or family or community or world. That mentality only produces more rich young rulers. It produces more burdened men who won't give up their earthly passions and end up walking away from Jesus. No, on this Father's Day, the message is men, fathers, love God with all of your heart. Be that kind of man. Be a man who loves Jesus more than anything and who will follow Jesus anywhere. 
Because you know what? Jesus doesn't need you to be perfect or do better. He's already done that. He is simply calling you to walk in the same direction that he's walking. And if you do that, everything else will fall into place. And so is today the day that you finally take a step towards Jesus? And obviously this applies to everyone. We all need to do whatever it takes to follow King Jesus and to let him sit on the throne of our hearts. And so for all of us who are listening, maybe today God is calling you to give up something that you really like. Because if you're honest, you've made that thing king. And all too often, it causes you to walk away from Jesus. Let me end with this. Verse 22 says, disheartened, and this was the rich young ruler replying to Jesus' command, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. A couple of things. Just because the young man walked away on that day doesn't mean he walked away forever. We're not told the destiny of the rich young ruler. And the word disheartened doesn't mean disqualified. It can refer to a divine tension existing in the heart. And in that moment, what, what, what happened is he began to wrestle with the truth that Jesus spoke into his life. Therefore, I don't think it'd be inappropriate to believe that this young, committed, godly ruler who Jesus loved eventually came to trust Christ as Lord and Savior. He just needed time to wrestle his great possessions off the throne of his heart. And I share this possibility with you to give some of you hope today. Because right now, some of you aren't ready to surrender to Jesus. While I wish you wouldn't wait a second more to enter into eternal life, you know what? I, I trust God's work in your heart more than my ability to persuade you in this moment. And so if you're not ready to make a decision to follow Jesus today, that doesn't mean that you're forever disqualified. I mean, don't wait too long because tomorrow isn't promised. But for now, at least pay attention to that, that, that tension that you feel in your heart because you know what? That's the Holy Spirit working on you. He sees the potential in you. He has fallen in love with you and he's a fan. And if you'll let him, he'll help you take that junk off the throne so that you can inherit eternal life through Jesus Christ. Today, as you leave and as you're sitting there throughout your day, think about what we've talked about. Maybe read the passage again. Again, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Or listen to this sermon again and let God wrestle with your heart. By the way, if you didn't know, God always wins. Let's pray. God, today I hear your word. I hear you inviting me into eternal life. Even though I've done so much wrong, I've willingly chosen things over loving you, and yet you still look at me and love me. Thank you for being a good God of grace and mercy. And today I confess my sins. I admit I can't live perfectly as your law demands. I need you to save me. Jesus, come rescue me today. I need your help. Change my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us for Church Online. If this was your first time, fill out a Connect card. We would love to say hi to you, even send you a little gift. Also, if you have any prayer requests, would like to know more about the River Church, or if you have decided to follow Jesus today, we want to hear from you. And there's an easy way to do that on our website, riverchurchct.com, or you can follow the links in the comments below, or you can text the keyword TRC Connect to 94,000. God bless you.
Sí.